Welcome back to The Setting Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, before we start this week's episode, we wanted to take a moment to remember the lives that have been lost in the last two weeks in motor racing. It's really just the harsh reality of the sport, and we just felt that we couldn't go on with this week's episode without mentioning those who have sadly lost their lives. We are thinking of all their friends, family, team, supporters at this time, and yeah. It's a, it's a tough one to be a motorsport fan, for sure. But moving on, we want to talk about round 18 of the MotoGP Championship. We were finally back in Australia for the first time in three years. Phillip Island, what a place, what a track. And boy, it did not disappoint. We had, I'm going to say, the best weekend of motorcycle racing by far this season in the last few seasons honestly this race weekend up there with one of my favorites of all time it was spectacular so let's start with the Mudo three two words isan guevara he's only gone and done it he's only <laughs> gone and done it he's won the Mudo three world championship in 2022 i mean we all sort of expected it but thoughts on that one people I mean, he, he, he wrapped up this early. I mean, he's the first first world champion this year, technically. Um, I mean, fair play to him. He's just been on another level. I mean, we've seen both of his uh, title rivals kind of um, fall out of contention slowly over the last few rounds anyway. Well, Foggia was a lot earlier, but um, I mean, fair play to him. He's he's, he, he's just been the strongest rider this year. I think there's no, no other way you can put it and fully deserved. Mm, yeah. Completely echo that. He's been brilliant uh, from start to finish. He's been consistent. It was a championship winning ride. And I don't think you can say much else. Yeah, I mean, he qualified P7, which is light work for Guevara anyway. We've seen him win from there before. But honestly, it, during the race, this was his first opportunity to win the championship because he just needed to leave this round with a 50-point gap ahead of Foggia and Garcia. So... I thought, you know, there were so many different ways he could have won it. But he went out, and I have to say this is his best race by far because he took the win. He was dominant. He was fighting against three other riders. He had Sergio Garcia, um, Sazaki, and Onchu to deal with the whole way mm -hmm. throughout the race. And it was a championship-winning ride. Like, not only has he been absolutely fantastic this whole season, he goes out and wins the championship in the best way possible by winning the race. It was stunning. Like, yeah. I think yeah. Like, he, he wasn't afraid at all. I mean, you know, he was in that, he was in that leading pack of four for basically the whole race. Yeah. Um, I'd say if Garcia wasn't there, he might have held back, thought about the championship a bit more and just yeah. thought, and keep myself in a good position then um this is my this is my title but Garcia was there he was impending danger and Garcia was challenging him for most of the race I mean Garcia was in the lead for a heck of a lot of the race yeah um but he did it in style he absolutely took off on the last lap and put in an absolute stunner and completely dominated that last lap won by however much of a margin yeah it was just no, it such a was close, but it was so it was cool. so close. I think this has been one of my like you said, this has been one of my favorite rounds this season mm -hmm. and of the past few years actually. It 
Phillip Island is such a track that you never know what to expect. Yeah. And he did exactly what was asked of him. He made sure that he got in front. Obviously, everyone everyone else doesn't make that easy for him. Yeah. But he stayed in front. He managed to keep his composure, stay on the bike, because a lot of the race I was... I was a bit nervous that he wasn't going to finish the race because they were all, you know, going at each other like they do in Moto3. Um, And, yeah, it was a really cool, composed ride, I think. And he never looked nervous. He didn't ever look like he wasn't going to win it, which is, I think you could say that for the top three, actually. They all looked like they really wanted to, you know, I'm winning this, I'm here. But he just was a step above the rest and made sure that he was the one on the top step and obviously secured the championship yeah definitely I mean I think back to around about this time last year when he won in Kota for the first time and he had that tantrum in the in the box that everyone yeah. loves to talk about I know we do on this podcast and it it's so heartwarming almost to see his growth over the last year if you had been watching Ethan Guevara for a while you would know that this was bound to happen he beat Pedro Costa a couple of years ago in some of the junior classes. He's won stuff in his rookie year. He comes to Moto3. He's a bit bit crazy. People are, you know, oh, who's this guy? What's going on here? But no, I mean, it was only a matter of time for Isan Guevara and now moving up to Moto2 next year. He's got the championship secured. I think he's going to be unbelievable. This is this is just the start for Isan, I think. And it's, it's going to be a good one. I, yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll move on though, because we could probably talk about Izan all day and winning the championship. Yeah. Um but in second place then, this also has to be this person's best ride of the season. It's yeah. still not a win, but Dennis Onshu is back on the podium. He'd been struggling the last few weeks due to an injury on his pinky finger. He pretty much demolished his pinky in an accident. It was horrendous mm-hmm. looking. Um, but he seems to be back to full fitness. And he knew exactly what he had to do. He said it in his after race interview. He had tried a few different scenarios coming out of the last corner and in onto the finishing straight. I can't even think of my words here. Um, so he's sort of working out exactly where he needed to be. He was very calculated, and then come the last lap, he'd got himself positioned perfectly in second place, and then he he just rode defensive for the rest of the the lap and was able to hold on to second place he did say it wasn't a win which was unfortunate but p1 is coming apparently according mm. to dennis on but another fantastic ride and definitely best ride of the season i was i was i was hoping for him to win like yeah i was kind of conflicted between i want Izan to win the title today and i want dennis to win mm. i was conflicted in that way so i was kind of working out a scenario in my head where it could kind of both happen but either way, I'm 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 happy for both of them. I mean, Onchu put in a monster performance, mm-hmm. and in this group, these were all like, these were all three riders who could have stated their name in the championship as well. Yeah. Um. However, Onchu was fighting with the big boys and definitely showed his worth. I mean, you know, I I, I said earlier, Guevara on that last lap was on another level, but so was Onchu. I mean, he defended yeah. brilliantly, held on to P two, again, not a win, but. It's definitely coming. I mean, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. whether he'll get it this season, there's only two races left. It's a bit slim pickings, but I'd say next year it might be the year of Dennis Andrew. It could be. And he's moving into the IO squad. He's with Tech 3 at the minute, but now he's moving into the 
the big boy squad in Moto 3. Mm. So mm, I think they're putting their energy into him in the hopes that this will be a winning season for them or, or next year will be a winning season for them. So, yeah. I mean, Dennis Onshu, like you said, he had a really, really good race. Uh, him and Garcia's battle where Onshu would get in front of Garcia and then Garcia would go straight back through and then they'd be back through on each other. And a lot of this race was the top four be side by side on the last corner, which was a bit stressful um, test of who can break the latest. And he proved every time that he is at the top and he deserves P2. And definitely the win is coming. He deserves it. And like you said, like he said, it will come. Yeah, definitely. No, we do have to mention that he did get a conduct warning during the race, which was basically just a slap on the wrists of stop doing what you're doing or else you're going to get a penalty. Um, Typical on true fashion. And to be fair, he did race very clean for Mm. the rest of the race. I'm not entirely sure what he got the conduct warning for. I think I know. know. What was it? Um, He kept taking his hand off the handlebars, the one that's injured. I think it was just... I was watching... I was watching the highlights yesterday and just to remind myself because we were all very tired (laughs) but I just he was taking his hand off the the injured one and it just looked like he was just trying to get some relief relief into it I I think yeah well could be it but anyway he rode cleanly for the rest of the race Mm. and didn't get any penalties but yeah all good things for Dennis Onshu moving on then the biggest return to form I think Mm. possible Sergio Garcia just a little bit too little too late unfortunately though but wow I mean that really reminded me what Sergio Garcia could do putting it in third place I mean he had the pace to win the race he looked really good for most of the weekend to be honest and I'm, I'm almost a little bit sad that it his defense has come so late now and there's nothing that could be done about the championship because I really thought this year would be his year but I mean that's a completely different story but I mean this race if we're just talking about Phillip Island absolutely incredible he bossed it nice to see him back up on the podium we haven't seen him on the podium since Assen or before the summer break anyway ever since the summer break he's not been on the podium so I think that says a lot but a good Mm. race yeah, and I'd say especially because he's kind of he's he's moving on to Moto Two next season, and the the championship pressure's off. So yeah. I'd say the next two races put everything basically into impressing before Moto Two starts anyway. Yeah, it's um, about as much as he can do. I mean, listen, like his his kind of forms come a bit too late mm-hmm. now. Um, obviously nothing he can do about the championship. I did think this year was going to be his year. I had him down personally as my preseason favorite. Um, but unfortunate, but at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's moving up, he's moving up classes and all he can do now is just impress before he, uh, makes a leap. Yeah. I'd say his main focus now will be on, on Moto2, but it was quite funny after the races. So Guevara is obviously out celebrating the championship win and neither Onchu or Garcia congratulated him in their after race interviews. It was hilarious they were sort of waiting for them to be like oh and well done to Izan no it was just like <laughs> yeah we'll fight for P1 or yeah it was an all right race it was so funny so so funny you could tell that Sergio had got 
a talking to because in one of his next after race interviews he, he mm. did the whole oh congratulations to Isan and that was quite funny to, to listen to but very very good race for the podium someone who missed out ever so slightly Ayumi Sasaki fourth place he was the last person in that battle of the top four and honestly he stunned me this weekend but in the same breath am I really that surprised it's Sasaki he qualified P1 mm. in three laps. He did a sidling lap, one fast lap, boom, pole position lap. That's it. He then went back to the box and sat down for the rest of the session. Mm. Like, that's how you do it. That's how you boss it. Unbelievable. Uh, he's been, I mean, he has been incredible this year. Like, mm. especially his second half of the season. It's just been absolutely mind-blowing. He's been incredibly fast. Um you kind of feel sorry if there's a group of four and you're the last, yeah. you haven't yeah. secured that podium place. Um, but then again, Sasaki's an unreal rider. I mean, next year he'll definitely go in as as, as one of the favourites to, yeah. to win the title anyway. I mean, if he can keep up the form and have a good start to next season, I'd say the title is, is, is mostly his, pending any other um, competition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll have to see on that one. But um, no, Sasaki's an unreal rider and um, kind of seeing seeing him in force a bit disappointing only because, well, he he had the chance to win and didn't even end up on the podium. But I mean, incredible qualifying performance and really an incredible performance in the race. It's kind of a shame that he did end up that low, but um, there he is. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the same. I mean, uh, like like I said before, all four of them deserve to win the race. So it's a bit, it's a bit un, a bit unlucky and a bit of a shame that there has to be a fourth place. But I suppose I don't think he'll take too much from it because he'll just take confidence. Yeah. And he proved that he could battle with them. He proved that he could keep up like he does every week. And as you said, the second half of the season, he's just been outstanding. You can't, if I was to if we were to base it off of just the second half of the season, like you said, I have him down as a championship uh, contender next season, a very strong one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Moving on then, we'll run through a few people. We've got Nepa in fifth, McPhee in sixth, Marrera seventh. Big shout out to Joel Kelso in eighth place. He had a great weekend start to finish. Obviously the home race for him, so... No wonder he was doing so well, and he was in a great battle. Um, but it, he finished nine seconds ahead of Dennis Foggia in ninth mm-hmm. place. I did so... have a... his transponder didn't work for or worked intermittently, so I kept having a bit of a oh no. But then yeah. he was he was up there, and I was like, why is the transponder not showing? <laughs> yeah, when but... that happens, because you're always freaking out. It happened one race with Jake Dixon, and you were like. Oh no, he's yeah. crashed. Oh no, he's crashed. And then he actually did crash on the last corner. And I was like, oh, for flip's sake. Like, <laughs> this is so annoying. Shipper right. transponders. But yeah, no, really good great, race. Great race. Absolutely fantastic. That'll give him some good confidence. Like I mentioned, though, he finished nine seconds ahead of Dennis Foggia. I've said this before. When Foggia actually has a chance to do something in the championship, he bottles it. And he had something to do in the championship on Sunday he could have stopped Izan from winning it and he didn't I had no part to play and it was all down to Garcia trying to stop it I mean 
it was a slim chance he was going to win the championship anyway, but then again, he could have left it until Malaysia or... I mean, it's Moto3, you never know. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I think... Um, it's not the greatest look before moving up to ITAL Trans next year. No. Um, but then again, it's, it's, it's kind of the same I said to Garcia. Um, pressure's off. Impressed for the next two races and take the form th- uh, back through up to Moto2. Yeah, definitely. It's it's annoying that he couldn't do anything about it because, like you said, watch now in Malaysia and Valencia, he absolutely but he'll do on, he'll probably win the next two races yeah right? exactly it's just a bit a bit wild i hope it's something that he can work on in moto 2 yeah. i hope he hits the ground running and can be up there in moto 2 so that he can maybe get out of the form that he's in in moto 3 but yeah it was a bit of a bit of a shocking race from him to be honest yeah like you said pressure's a funny thing mm-hmm. and i just i hope next season he can hit the ground running and yeah, it it'll be good to see what the next two races are like, especially because the championship has been wrapped up. What can they both do now? Yeah, definitely. Then in tenth we had Ricardo Rossi. Eleventh was Munoz. Twelfth was Tatai. Thirteenth was Ortola. Fourteenth was Artigas. Fifteenth was Messia. Sixteenth was Minu. Seventeenth was Toba. Eighteenth was Fernandez. 19th was Fillon, 20th was Bartolini, 21st was Josh Watley, who I think deserves a bit of a mention because he was actually battling in a group that could have seen him right up to 16th or 17th place. He's taken a massive step up this weekend. He outperformed his teammate. He was doing really, really well. He seemed a lot more on the pace. And for Josh, I think going into the next two rounds, this could be could be good for him. Then in 22nd, we had Carraro, 23rd was Carrasco, and 24th was Alberto Sura. Moving on. Oh, sorry. I'll say just to mention to Anna Carrasco, had a really good um, qualifying session, Mm. actually. And I I think she took a step today as well. Uh, Not today, on Sunday. We're not on Sunday, but. What day is it? (laughs) I don't actually know. Is it Monday? (laughs) (laughs) She took a she took a big step and she she definitely proved a lot of people wrong i think she almost myself. got into q2 she yeah had she did put some fast laps in um and in q1 it, it was a bit surprising but it, it was good to see mm. she's one of the riders though i think that's possibly ridden there before yeah just thinking of the seasons that she was in moto 3 before there is a high chance that they were at philip island Mm, can't be completely sure though maybe i've just made that up <laughs> um then we've got on to the crashers we had crashes from yamanaka aji suzuki um hogado forasato and scott ogden really sad for scott ogden because it was his mm. birthday his 19th birthday and he had a really nasty nasty crash last i heard he had hurt his wrist but I haven't heard any further details on his condition. So we hope that everything is all good and that he is fit to ride this mm. coming weekend in Malaysia. So unfortunate, but a belated happy birthday anyway, Scott. Mm. Um, hopefully things work out better for the rest of the season anyway. The but Danny Holgado and Ty for Sato crash was really scary. Yeah, it was It was a rough... It was probably, yeah, it was very similar to a crash that happened in MotoGP. Mm. Just, 
very speedy and scary sort of thing it did sort of happen separately which was good they didn't get involved with each other yeah. but it both were very high speed and, and scary i remember my brother actually being like oh god he's gonna go back out under the track because he i was like that too Sato, i think traveled so yeah far in the gravel that it was a bit like oh god he's gonna please stop back out on yeah. track yeah definitely but hope they're all okay mm, definitely definitely i think that's everything from mudo three but yes yeah. so yeah just a massive shout out to izan guevara we never doubted you except some of us probably did at the start of the season when we <laughs> predicted this we should go back and check um yeah so we'll move on to mudo two then another absolutely crazy dominating performance with a long lap penalty Alonso Lopez stunned everyone. Now, he went out, got along that penalty on Friday in, I think, free practice one, of all things, because he literally just sniped Celestino Vieri off his bike. You know, it was the stupidest move ever. Lopez was sort of like, I didn't do anything wrong. He definitely did, but not much you could do about that. So he got himself along that penalty for the race. He qualified third, so he was on the front row, and he did a pre-race interview with BT Sport. Natalie Quirk asked him what he was going to do in the race, what you know, what the plan was with the long lap, and he said, "I'm going to go get out in front. The penalty will come on my dashboard. I've got three laps to take it. Boom, I'm away." Mm. And what did he do? Exactly that. He took his long lap penalty. I think he'd got a three-second lead. Mm. He lost two seconds ish and had a 1.5 second lead after he'd taken the long lap mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing this it's is unreal giving, this is giving me like major rossi 2003 vibes yeah 10 second penalty how do you work out where you need to be yeah mm. it was stunning all while wearing a ace of hearts up a sleeve too yeah, was that not uncomfortable the entire race? Or what do sure. we think? Apparently, he'd been playing cards the night before, and that's all. I thought there was some big elaborate story behind it. No, I think they were playing like flipping Jack Chains or something the night before. So he wore the <laughs> Ace of Hearts up his sleeve, and he pulled it out, and everyone was like, "What's this about?" You know, no one really had any idea. It was a really cool win anyway, and he celebrated it in style. But two wins this season. Another interesting stat about Lopez, though, in the second half of the season, or even possibly since he's joined the class. I can't be 100% sure where the stats are from, but he scored the most amount of points ahead of Ayagura. That's who it is. I, I can't remember when the statistic is from, but if we took the championship points, I think from summer break, he would be leading the championship. I mean, it, it, it just goes to show like how, how crazy his season's been. He's a rookie mm. in the class. He wasn't even he wasn't even in the class at the no. start of this season. But I don't know. I, I feel like I'm saying this about everyone now. He might be one to look out for next season. <laughs> oh, a hundred and ten percent he's someone to look out for. Him and Fermin Aldeguer are gonna be a force to be reckoned with, I think. That speed yeah. up is gonna be deadly. Yep. It'll be exciting. Yeah, this race was just absolutely unreal from him. I had to sort of check a few times what lap we were on with how far ahead that he was yeah. but no he just rode on a different level today and yeah absolutely brilliant definitely 
Someone else who rode on a fantastic level, another rookie, Pedro Acosta. Are we really surprised? Not at all. <laughs> the goat. Just the goat. There's nothing else to say about it. <laughs> that man is unbelievable. Yeah. No words for it. Yeah. Have to agree. That's it. <laughs> That's it. He's the goat. Done. I mean, Alonso won in such style, and here I am calling Pedro Acosta the goat, but... <laughs> Yeah, it was a really, 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 really good race. And I think he will, I honestly think I, Pedro Costa will be the one to beat next year. I think a lot of people will be up there battling, but I think Pedro Costa will be the one mm. determ- determining what's going on in the championship. Yeah. So, yeah, very good from him. I mean, all three people on the podium had an outstanding ride. <sighs> Jake. Dixon where did this performance come from he qualified in 14th ladies and gentlemen and put himself in third place I mean surely he's on a bit of a roll with life right now yeah it has to be I was about to say that (laughs) new baby I mean he must be on like an all-time high at this point yeah got so much luck just waiting and stash that he just decided to put out every week the next two races Jake Dixon it's, it's Jake Dixon mania Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All he's got like, to do now is take the win. Because then he'll be on a roll. Season, Once he starts he... winning, he won't stop. This is no. the thing. Oh, 100%. And mm. if he can get it this season, my word, what a good couple of months he's about to have. Mm. I'm so happy for him. I can't, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just so happy for him. <laughs> when you look at it, though, he did actually finish, I think it was like something like nine. Nine seconds behind? I think it was about yeah, nine or ten seconds behind um Lopez. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy when you look at it, you sort of go, uh, but then you realize where he qualified and you sort of go, Oh, like that's actually really But really, then again, really Lopez good. and Acosta were just on a different level. Like yeah. I mean Jake was fighting until the very end, but Lopez uh Lopez and Acosta were kind of just on like yeah uh, cloud nine at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I honestly, I, I do struggle to see him winning a race before the end of the season. But at the same time, with pace like that, being able to make all those overtakes, anything mm. is possible for Jake. Strange things have happened. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So watch him win now. <laughs> uh, we'll clip you. Don't worry. I'm not waking up. <laughs> I'm not waking up at six twenty in the morning next week. Uh, not this to week, win. For him not to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, Jake, if you're ever listening to this, you have to win in Malaysia. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to hold you to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fourth place then was Fermin Aldeguer. I think he needs a bit of a mention here because he put it on pole for the second time this season and he dropped back considerably at the start of this race. I think he was so worried about tyres, grip. He seemed to be struggling and then the second half of the race started and he just came so good and he looked so strong. And I think if he hadn't have panicked so much at the start of the race, he would have been battling for podium positions rather than battling for fourth place. But nonetheless, I think this will be a really confidence-boosting race. And yeah, maybe we could see him up there for the last two races of the season. Again, he's 17. We say this every week. He's got so much to learn and so much time to do it. I think he'll be one of those ones in the mix that we keep talking about for next season. He's gonna be he's gonna be unreal, and this was a that very is, very good race for him. Speed up team and Jake Dixon are gonna be in the top three next year. <laughs> Pedro, I was gonna say you're missing. 
<laughs> uh, he's just not quite on the level yet. He needs Pedro, Izan, Sergio. You've got so uh, many people to look out for it, next year. It's going to be Alonso Lopez and Jake Dixon. That's going to be your title fight for next year. Or at least I'm manifesting it anyway. I will clip that for yeah. the end of next season. No, please don't. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You just said that louder and clearer into the yeah. microphone, please. And I've, said enough, to I've said enough things this season that have gone to pot, so. <laughs> so have I. So good. So I think we all have, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Femi Adiga had a brilliant race. I, but I think you both pretty much said it. it. You sort of have expectations, and lots of people have had expectations out of him when I do feel like they shouldn't, because as you said, he's only 17. Mm. But then he always goes and succeeds exceeds exceeds yeah. oh, <laughs> let me try that again exceeds the <laughs> expectations <laughs> yeah that's it I'm not gonna try to talk I'm gonna give myself a break <laughs> <laughs> no he was good another guy who did absolutely fantastic this weekend was Manu mm. Gonzalez this had really come out of nowhere he was up there for majority of the weekend. He qualified seventh, which I think is his best qualifying of the year, and mm-hmm. then puts it in fifth place. Absolutely fantastic battle between the likes of him and Aldeguer, Elcoba, Bobier. Dixon obviously came up through at one point. Really, really, really good performance from him. And I'm I'm happy that it's starting to come together for him because Moto 2 is just so difficult. So this this was good. Does he have a seat for next year? It's not confirmed, but from what we're hearing, he will be staying. He'll be retaining. Okay, I was about to say, because if it's the battle between him and um, my brain's gone blank. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Japanese rider and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I, 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 feel, I feel really awful. Is it Kubo? No, Kubo's not staying. I don't know. Anyway... He'll he'll retain the seat. Fair enough. He's, he's, he's hopefully, enough. yeah. Hopefully, he's oh, retaining yeah, his that... seat. Nothing's been confirmed yet, though. No. So, we'll yes. uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll cross our fingers. <laughs> <laughs> then in sixth place was Alcoba. Seventh place was Bobier, and eighth place was Shantra. Ninth place was Canet. Tenth was Boben Schneider, and eleventh place was I Agura. Now, in 11th place, you're wondering what the flip is going on here. It's time to mention that Augusto Fernandez mm. crashed out of third place behind his teammate Pedro Acosta. Team orders clearly aren't a thing in Moto2 for the KTM <laughs> squad, not like a certain uh, factory bike up in MotoGP. But I don't know what happened to him. This is a very, very, very rare mistake from Augusto Fernandez. But it meant that Ayagura, all the way down in 11th, actually leaves with a 3.5 point lead ahead of Augusto <sighs> Fernandez. We, we, we mentioned this, I, I don't know how many countless episodes. If one of them does awful, the other one somehow yeah. benefits. Exactly. Yep. Like, there, there's never a race where they both. <laughs> Are we going to see? I mean,. Neither of them did incredibly well. Well, no. Augusto was doing well before. On track too, yeah. Um, yeah. And Agura was not as well, but he's benefited from it. I mean, he's he's still 3.5 points ahead in the championship. This is going to go down to the last lap in Valencia. 
Oh, yeah. Are, are we gonna see the title decided by point five? I hope so. Just for the uh, memes. <laughs> I don't think it's because I don't know. Because by math, it's Augusto Fernandez's best rounds next weekend, and then Ayogura's in Valencia. If we're going by that, mm. so, we'll see. I'm, by that, I'm gonna say it's Agura. I think it's Agura. I do too. God, we're all agreeing. <laughs> Mm. Maybe you. I'll just say Fernandez then, despite saying just that. just despite, yeah, change it. Up, mean, have a fight. He's already, bagged, he's already bagged Rookie of the Year for next year, so yeah, exactly. He's got a, he's got a trophy next year. He doesn't need one this year. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Then in twelfth we had Sam Lowe's finally back to racing. He had a massive crash on Saturday. I thought he re-injured his shoulder, but he got the race distance under him. Finally, thank God for that. This man needs a bit of a, a bit of a break and hopefully next season he can come back stronger because this season has just been a complete write-off for him. So nice to see him finishing. He got a few points. Not too bad for for Sam. In 13th then was Schroeder. 14th was Arenas. 15th was Hada. 16th was Sukone. 17th was Ramirez. 18th was Kelly. And then we had a lot of crashes and dns so dalla porter and joe roberts both retired from the race seemingly both having bike issues don't know what was happening with both the Taltrans bikes this weekend but not good for either of them joe roberts um retirement came very very late in the race as well it was yeah. like on the last lap or something it was a bit a bit strange or two laps to go so i'm really not sure what happened there but same thing happened to his teammate earlier on in the race we then had crashes from baltus um augusto fernandez like i mentioned celestino vietti even without championship pressure there is just something going on i'm so i'm so flabbergasted what a surprise well, I mean, at the start of the season, if you'd predicted him to fall off this hard, like, yeah. what has happened to him? Yeah, it's been a bit of a tough second half. Oh, tough season, probably. No, yeah, definitely. I know, because I feel bad, because I remember at the start of the season, he was holding on to the top yeah. of the championship just because everyone else was throwing it away. And it was like, like what is Vieri oh, doing? Like, he yeah. should be leading by this many points by now. Like, he's not capitalising enough. And then he falls off the bandwagon and then everyone's at him because he can't win yeah. a race or he keeps crashing and everyone's... He's had a lot of scrutiny this year, I think, which hasn't helped. And oh. I know for one, I probably have added to that, which definitely doesn't help, but... I think me too. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough one for him. So I hope he has a good winter break and yeah. just resets. Because he's shown that he could be up there winning races and in a championship fight. Mm-hmm. But now he just needs to get the mind in control and... and and sort himself out basically the bike's there when he's on form he's there you know just needs to find a way to regain the form yeah quicker yeah definitely we then had a crash from philip salach which was very annoying because he was in that group such a shame for fourth he looked really strong as well and it was just a silly mistake to be honest after his podium Mm -hmm. last weekend everyone sort of thought oh this is it salach form I think he will be good next year. I think he'll definitely be solid top ten finisher. Could be battling so. for wins, podiums. It'll be it'll be good for Salach. Then we had crashes from Kubu, Antonelli, and Arbolino. 
Now, the big talking point of crashes in Muru 2 comes from Jorge Navarro and Simone Corsi. Now, Navarro had crashed and unfortunately, Simone Corsi could not get out of the way and basically ran over Jorge Navarro. Navarro fractured his femur. He was lying basically on the side of the the grass, very, very close to the circuit and obviously couldn't get up, couldn't move, had taken his helmet off. He looked very, very injured. Um, I didn't really see him move initially. Mm-hmm. And they got Corsi moved out of the way. They got the bikes moved out of the way, but did not remove Navarro from the grass for three laps. The race Why did they not, not red flag it? Yeah. Thoughts it was just one? such a dangerous situation that the moment that they saw but see i've also seen something about this that the apparently the radio wasn't working apparently so if you rewatch it again you see on the the next time that the riders all come around there's two marshals standing in the grass one over navarro who mm. is like trying to signal with his walkie-talkie yeah. to stop the other one sort of signaling like across almost with his hands yeah. like we need to stop this race don't know what happened. That's just what we've heard that the the walkie talkies weren't working. I'd believe it to be honest when you mm. when you rewatch it and you see it again. But I just think it's a bit ridiculous that riders were allowed to pass through three more times before mm. anything was done about it. And even then, the race was not red flagged. They just managed to get Navarro stretchered off. It it was just a bit. It was just a bit insane. Like. I, it, I don't think it was the marshal's fault, or no, I the race control. I don't know if they would have seen it, um, and seen them trying to signal it. it just I think at that point when you see rider on track, it if, should be if you cannot get the rider moved out of the way before the next time that the riders come around, the riders who are obviously still racing. Mm-hmm. I think it should be an automatic red flag. I mean, yeah, we, saw, I we saw this kind of similarly in um, BSB back in Alton Park, Tara McKenzie, who'd been hit by Peter Hickman. Yeah. Yeah. Riders didn't even come around once before they red flagged it because yeah. Aaron was basically down injured at that point. Um, whether there was a lack of communication, not um, purposefully, but whether genuinely the walkie-talkies were broke, um, again, we, we don't know. Mm. Um I don't blame the marshals at all. It doesn't. But no. I, I blame it's, fully it's race direction at all. But it's, I don't know. I feel like something could have at least been signified one way or another. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I put it all on race direction. To be honest, yeah, they have too. angles, cameras, all sorts that we don't see. I mean, you know, they're we, sitting we, in front of massive screens. Ellie, though, that's the thing. I think yeah. that's the shocking thing. The the biggest camera angle was. You could see them Xing it. Yeah. Showing it live on air. Mm. Yeah. Definitely not, not good. But I've seen pictures of Jorge Navarro today. His femur is broken, but he otherwise is all okay. I also seen a picture of Corsi. His hand is in a bandage. He uh, injured his pinky finger, but both riders are okay. Um, Navarro obviously will not race for the rest of the season, you know. 
not surprised there but hopefully he can get back to full fitness obviously he's racing in world superbikes next year or world super sports so you know he needs to be mm-hmm. full fitness so all of his attention will be on recovery and getting ready for next season i'm unsure as to whether or not Corsi will be able to race for the rest of the season but good to see that both riders are completely okay and yeah. now in recovery so that is the main thing that after all these crashes everyone is okay and well yeah let me see is that everything i think it is so yeah yeah, three and a half point lead very very close in moto two um yeah it will come down to the last lap in valencia and that one between ayagura and augusto fernandez i think mathematically technically aaron canick can still win the championship but then it would end on equal points i think which means that ayagura would win based on wins because obviously canick at the minute doesn't have any so that's the only other outcome of this championship so i don't really see that one happening so it definitely has to be between ayagura and augusto fernandez so it's all to play for it would take a miracle for canada to do anything now anyway so well you never know I mean, he, he's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anything can happen yeah uh, i'd say there's there's death taxes and aaron canada not winning a race <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, let's move on then to the Premier class. This was the best race of the day, the best race of the year, the best race of the last three years, probably. Yeah. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Now, Phillip Island is a very special place because it's so exposed that this weekend you're allowed to change your aero package, basically, which is something that you're not allowed to do at any other circuits. Now, Lots of them did obviously still have aero. There was wings here, there and everywhere. Mark Marquez was even trying out the Stegosaurus, which they'd blatantly stolen from Ducati. It's quite funny to watch. But <laughs> I think rider, some took off the side pods. There wasn't as many um big chunky bits sticking off of the bikes. I'm useless at aero, so I'm not entirely sure. But it meant that we could see overtaking and wow, I don't know how many overtakes there were in this race. I lost count after the first lap. But the man who came out on top, which nobody could have predicted, Alex Rins has won for Suzuki in their final year in MotoGP. I mean, what a story. What a story. I'm this... just so happy. Yeah. I, I, I can't say anything else. Like, I'm, I'm just so happy. Like Rins as well. After a brutal 2021, yeah, it's 2022 hasn't been bad. I mean, he it's had it's not a... been much better, mind after I was gonna say, it's probably no, and... I mean, he had did he have two podiums in the early year? Yeah, he did, yeah. he did two podiums in the early year, a fourth after that in Portugal, and then it's kind of just been a bit here, there, everywhere, unfortunate, but he did it, the man did it. I mean, I, I was a bit gutted only because. I tried not to open on social media while I was watching the replay and I accidentally did and that was the first post that came up um, before I'd even watched the race. So yeah, I'm... and you're not like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what? Well, I, I opened it and just thought, this Hi. is surely a stitch-up. <laughs> I was just like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Um, April Fool's Day? Yeah. Yeah, play to him. I mean, what a ride. He, he yeah. was by far the strongest out on track. Like by mm-hmm. far, he qualified in tenth place. Just he was down, he was down like eleventh, twelfth for even just like half of the race. Anyway, mm. 
He just came out of nowhere the second half. I mean, I've said before on here, um, I have a bit of a soft spot for Suzuki because me and my dad love Suzuki. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's re- it was a really nice story to see him win, especially with the fact that Suzuki are leaving. It just basically shoves it in Hamazatsu's face for calling bankruptcy. Um, not bank or whatever it, what the reason is. I can't they're remember. Just leaving in general. They're just yeah. leaving, yeah. Um, but yeah. they have a just chatting about Suzuki for a second. They have a test after what race? Malaysia. Um, yeah, Amaterki. Yeah. Amaterki, yeah. So that that's a bit. They've said that it's, it's in budget, so no. But no, it was really good to see him win this race, and yeah, a bit of a feel good story for the weekend. Yeah. I don't know. They might, they might as well just chuck everything at the test now. Like, oh yeah, just... I think it's for the likes of Silvan Guntoli, who's obviously their test rider. You know, I think that sort of thing is coming into play. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to be able to go over and test the bike. Is it maybe like a thank you and a, and a finishing off? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what even happens with Silva next year? Is he going to be racing next year? I mean, he um, was he was racing but... EWC with with Suzuki, and that was it. Yeah, he does a lot for BT Sport. Obviously, he's there at most races um, and does a lot of sort of enduro and stuff like that now these days. Um, yeah. So it, it's seen seen very lot, interesting. I've seen a lot of speculation about Suzuki doing it to market their bikes, mm. which could be interesting for the future. Maybe. But We've anyway, seen Suzuki re-enter before, so why not again? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll go back to Alex Renzo, not to take away from him. He was absolutely spectacular. Now, I don't want to rub it in, folks, but I actually predicted him to be third. How did I predict that? How did you do that? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? She did. Check. You did. She Genuinely. <laughs> Like you have to go back and check our predictions post. I, I genuinely <laughs> predict him in third place. Miller, Miller, Marquez, Miller, Marquez, and Rins. Yeah, I, th- I know it wasn't right, but it has to be my best That's prediction. That's a solid prediction. That's an incredible <laughs> yeah. prediction. Um, I, mean, I was I put on not... the spot. I was asked to make the prediction, yeah. and I just said Rins third. And wow, I have honestly never what been more proud of myself. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely incredible. No, he was fantastic made up nine places obviously just what a man what a man i'm so excited to see him ride for honda next year obviously he'll be lining up against or beside i should say um nakagami so i think that'll be a great a great lineup so really really excited for him but hopefully he can stay up there for the next two races and really finish on a high for suzuki and yeah after the race it was he was basically just saying you know this one was for the team and Mm -hmm. one last hurrah basically and it was almost sad to to see them celebrate and knowing that they won't be there next year, but very, very good nonetheless. Yeah. Then in second place, I also predicted this, uh, Mark Marquez returned to the podium, his 100th <laughs> podium in mm-hmm. Premier Class as well. What a man. What a man. I don't think I loved a Marquez podium more than this one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat my words so much. I have never been that much of a Mark Marquez fan, but I was actually rooting for him on Sunday. Neither, but I think it's it's an incredible story, like coming mm. back from from yeah. such a harsh injury and then returning to the top. I mean, yeah. for, for most riders, that would kind of just be the end there. But this is this is not just any rider. This is eight-time world champion Mark Marquez we're talking about here. Yeah. Um 
I mean, by the end of this year, I think Honda are set to be the only manufacturer without a win this year. Well, we'll see. I was going to say, there's still two races left. Two more races, but I'm not holding out any hope. Um, (laughs) But... I mean, any, I mean, anything can happen in the next few races, but yeah. uh, next two races even. Um, but then again, Marcus is back on the podium. It's that which only leaves one season, I believe, where he's not been on the podium. Being yeah. see, 2020. 2020, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I said Marcus would win it. Mm. <laughs> I think he was close. He was but, very close. Um, I, I just, it's such a good thing to see him back, and he's just. I feel like, especially with this story in the past two se- uh, the past two seasons, it's just been a bit unreal, really. I don't think anyone sort of expected this of him. And the fact that he's come back and he looks to be an, the old Mark Marcus again. Yeah. And I think that's going to be dangerous next season. And I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> Definitely. I think the big thing about it, though, is that everyone has taken a step up since he last has been competitive. And we'll say yeah. from 2019 his last championship win obviously I think that's going to make it so exciting if he's back at old 2019 Mark Marquez standard but everyone else has taken a step up that's going to make things so spicy he's going to have competition he never even dreamt about in 2019 I mean we're seeing we're seeing a three way technically four way title fight already this year Um, Chuck Mark Marquez into the mix that is going to be a beautiful next year yeah i'm so excited <laughs> definitely definitely now the man who's taken the lead in the championship for the first time this year peko bangaya put it in third place when he realized that fabio quattararo had uh unfortunately crashed out of the race he said he played things very safe i don't know peko bangaya's definition of safe because there were some <laughs> moves that i was a bit like what are you doing? But, I mean, he finished in third. He put it on the podium. He'd been very down in the standings during the weekend. And it sort of felt like out of nowhere in the race, he managed to put it all all together. Now, he had qualified third, so he did manage to put a fast lap in. But he didn't look strong. So to finish mm. third, I, I have to give him all the credit in the world because he finished ahead of the people he needed to finish ahead of. And, yeah, yeah he was battling. Oh. It, it was good to watch and fair play to him. He now leaves with a 14-point lead over Fabio Quattararo well, and can now win. I think, now I think like this is his championship to lose. It has been for weeks. 100%. It has been for weeks. But his own, I feel like his greatest rival now is himself. Yeah. yeah. He has got to make sure that at both uh, Malaysia and Valencia that he does not make a mistake. Yeah. Because you know that Fabio is mm. now that he's chasing, I'd say he's going to be dangerous in the next two anyway. Yeah, maybe um, not so much in Malaysia, but definitely in Valencia. Yeah, Malaysia will be a struggle for Yamaha, I think. No, one hundred percent. But um, I think that's where Peko has to capitalise if he can if he can get a good result or even win in Malaysia. Titles. We've mm. we've never seen this. We've never yeah. seen Peko Bangaya leading a championship. We've never seen him have the upper hand it has always yeah. been Fabio Quattararo with the points difference yes Peko has been chasing Fabio down now since Assen but the tables have turned it's it's all yeah. on Peko now I've said it for weeks now that it's been Peko's championship to lose but it's literally now Peko's championship to lose yeah. he can win it in yeah. Malaysia 
if well, if he goes right. But I, now there's so much more pressure that he's never had before on him. But yeah. it's absolutely incredible. I mean, he was 91 points down the championship. I mean, I don't know how many times we've seen this on social media over the last week. He was 91 mm-hmm. points down the championship and he leaves Philip Island with a 14-point lead. Yeah. It's it just one of the greatest comebacks in the sports. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we've said before, um, we've I know me and Lauren have said on an episode before about my uh, mind games and personality in sport and we've we've said that we always thought Pecco was a bit too quiet to win a championship and be mm. a char- he doesn't have as much of a character like you know Valentino Rossi's and I do think these past or since the summer break we've seen a completely different side to him I I think he is just we're starting to see more of who Pecco Bagnaia is and he's starting to put out you know a bit bold statements in the press conferences beforehand Mm. and you know he's really playing the mind games and it's definitely a side to him that I didn't expect and I do take back my words like yeah it's it's such a different side and like you said it will be his championship to lose but I I do think he has it in the bag unless he messes it up yeah I struggle to see it going going any other way simply just because of how dominant Ducati have been um I think the biggest statement and I can't remember if we spoke about it in last week's podcast but I'm going to bring it up again anyway was Mm -hmm. that when Mark Marquez was asked who he thought was going to win the championship he said I bet on Peko's bike and I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Mm -hmm. into that and go he's an eight-time world champion I think he knows what he's talking about yeah and for that statement to be said I I honestly think that he believes that Fabio Quattararo is the talent and he he deserves to win the championship, um, but just doesn't have the bike under him. And whereas Peko has the bike and seven other friends of his, I mean, going, I'm not going to overtake you. Don't worry about it. Like I'm going to have your back. Whereas Fabio Quattararo has nobody. Was it not Mark who also like mentioned MotoGP at this rate is just a Ducati Cup? Yeah. You know, he was sat there in Thailand in the top nine with seven other Ducatis. Was well, seven yeah. Ducatis? Sorry. I mean, it's it's almost just stupid. Oh, it yeah. is. We say it this is. every week, though. We we do say this every week, and I, I I've heard I've heard some stuff about um VR forty six moving over to Yamaha in twenty twenty four. That could be nice. Yeah. Um, with their Ducati contract up, but then again, it's Valentino Rossi's team. Of course, he's going to want the Yamahas. I'm if honestly they... surprised they ever went with Ducati considering how <laughs> much too. of a bad time he had with Ducati, but Italian bike, Italian team. I, I, I think I think that was more with um taking over from Avintia and yeah. how they were partnered with Ducati and everything like that. But um no, there are simply just way too many on the grid. I mean, it doesn't matter that some of them are GP twenty twos and some of them are GP twenty ones. They're all fast bikes. Yeah. They're all incredible bikes. I mean, Digi, who is, let's just say nicely, not the greatest rider in the championship, he's still got a pole this year. Yeah. So anything can happen. I mean, I think there's only two Ducati riders who haven't stepped on the podium this year. Marini. Marini and and Digi. Digi. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Marini's the only one who hasn't got pole position either out of the eight of them. 
No, I mean, but then again, seven of the pole of the pole of the ten pole sisters this year are Ducatis. Yep. <laughs> I, I I honestly don't know what to say. I mean, it's just it's just mental. Yeah. Yeah. I I think honestly, it's more to the fact of I'm not going to take any anything away from Peko. What he has done and managed to do, mm. unbelievable. Like, what a story it'll be if he manages to pull this yeah, off. It's, 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 Completely kind of a mental game from that aspect anyway. Mm. Even if he didn't have the bike and the talent, he's just got yeah. to get on the bike and, and ride his ride his heart out. Yeah. I think just a lot of people have said it over the weekend that as much as Peko's performance has been unbelievable, mm. a part of you always wants to root for Fabio. You look at Ducati, you look what they have. They had Casey Stoner in the garage this weekend. You know, they have eight bikes on the grid. And then you mm. look to Fabio, who's by himself just about has Cal Crutchlow in his side and yeah. that's it and you go god I just want him to win it because what a story that would be on the other hand if he managed to to pull it off and hold all these people off mm-hmm. but a lot of people are sort of saying that Fabio has now dipped back into 2020 Fabio and his mind is gone and I know we spoke about this in the podcast a couple of weeks ago where I don't think that's the case he's won a world championship now He's a different person completely to what we've seen in 2020. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that if he had a better bike under him, we wouldn't be in this position at all. Yeah. I think this weekend might have been... This weekend was a struggle probably mentally anyway. He had that moment at Miller Corner, um, which put him down to 22nd and then crashed out of 15th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this weekend must have been tough mentally. Yeah. But I'd say the whole season, he still persevered. He still won, is it three races? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's put in an incredible shift. I genuinely just think at the end of the championship, he simply just doesn't have the machinery under him. Yeah. No, I don't think... I think there's a sort of case on Peko's part that he has now. For, I think he has nothing to nothing to lose almost, but everything to gain. Yeah. And whereas Fabio has, you know, the opposite of that. And I do think that will play into it a bit. Like you said, we've never seen Peko in this position before. And I think it will be interesting to see the sort of side of him and how he sort of copes with this kind of pressure because we've spoken about him having the other kind of pressure but now we get to see how Fabio gets with this side of pressure and I think it just makes for a really dramatic and really exciting end of the season yeah definitely but we'll uh, not linger on that one too much longer we'll move (laughs) on to Marco Bezzecki in fourth place stunning ride Mm -hmm. and he's also been crowned rookie of the year who would have predicted that at the start of the year? I know a lot of people in the siding lap predicted it to be Raul Fernandez. I should have gone back actually and checked who said who because <laughs> we did a rookies episode. Um, but wow, he's been absolutely stunning this whole year. Now I did sit behind Pekka Vanyaya and didn't even look at making a move, even though he looked considerably faster than him at certain points in the race. But he did say he will never overtake Pekka when he is battling for the championship. But fourth place was a good finish for him. I mean, I heard Neil Hodgson talking the whole time on broadcast about he won't overtake Pekka. It's, it's, it's just Ducati, but if there's a chance of a win, they don't come around too often. Um... And he was up there and genuinely could have been in the shot for the win. Um, however, I mean, the, the race was just crazy anyway. Yeah. Fourth place, was, fourth place was still incredible. I predicted him for the podium this week. I'll just let you all know. Well, you were so, close. I wasn't <laughs> far off. Um, but 
he's just been incredible. I mean, rookie of the year, and and quite understandably, he's taken yeah. a taken a podium. Mm-hmm. Which other rookies do that? None of them have come close, like no. at all. Hundred percent. And I think if we go back to the whole Ralph Fernandez Remy Gardner thing, I think maybe we could have at least put, um, predicted it only because they're on KTM's anyway. We should have cut them some slack. We should have realised this. If we if we looked at the machinery more, I think that it would have been either Bezeki or Digia, and I think Bezeki probably would have been the easiest choice at, with with hindsight anyway. Mm. Yeah, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, but oh, anyway, I mean, fair play to Bezeki. He's had an incredible year. He'll have um, this year's bike under him next year. Um, so. Yeah. Then again, he'll 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 go well. He'll be fast. Exactly. It can only be a good thing for him. Hundred yeah. percent. Definitely. Then in fifth place, we had Anaya Bashanini doing what Anaya Bashanini loves to do most: bottling it in qualifying and making up a million places during the race. <laughs> I saw, and I mean, it kind of puts this uh, result more into perspective. Obviously, he made up ten places from the start. I think he dropped down to 20th at some point because his airbag had actually deployed um, two laps in. Turn 12 and um, the airbag deployed, didn't deflate for about one and a half laps and then uh, just just got going. He must have been riding around like the Michelin man. (laughs) 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 I I did not know this until after the race because obviously they were looking at the battle out front. But when I heard that, I was like, how did he manage that? More to the point that that's scary though because the airbag's already deployed. If he had crashed, safety? I mean, it would have been surely. Something to be concerned about? I mean, he had like a massive moment which probably set off the airbag anyway yeah yeah we've um, seen it before it does it doesn't take much i remember mavic vinales celebrating once i think he'd won a race yeah. and he celebrated so hard that he deployed his airbag i remember that too or put it on pole or something it was something crazy i think it was around austria or something a couple yeah. of years ago and yeah he deployed his airbag but i mean bashanini just was unbeatable and you wonder you wonder he's been like this a few times this season he's obviously won four races we know he can win races qualifying has become something that he struggles with in, in certain places because you get on race day he's very like brad bender race day just comes easy to him and honestly i could see him winning every round next season if he could just sort out his qualifying and and putting it together better Oh, listen, I mean, the points are scored on Sunday, but it kind of helps with a good Saturday. Exactly, so, yeah. Um, if he can get it sorted, I mean, again, then again, he will be on a factory spec bike for the first time in his MotoGP career. Yeah. Whether that makes him go any faster on Saturday, I don't know. I mean, Ducati kind of had this conundrum about Martin or Bachelini. Martin, obviously, much better on the Saturday than... Uh, an air is so maybe it came down to that I don't know he'll be on a factory spec bike for the first time in his career Um, if it makes him go faster go faster he might even dominate next year at this point he could I really see it Um, but just go well I guess (laughs) yeah it'll be very very good for him in sixth place, then, we had Luca Marini, who every week I talk about 
another great race. He was also up there, sort of fourth, fifth, sixth. You know, they were all battling against each other, those Ducatis. And it was really fun to watch. He had some some great moves at, at certain points in the race. And yeah, I'm really hoping that he gets a podium before the end of the season. Yeah. But if he doesn't, I know for a fact that he will be getting one next season because yeah. he's staying on the same bike. He needs the time to grow in the class. And just the step that he's managed to make this year compared to last year, he's going to be one to watch next year for sure. And this was a, a great result. And mm-hmm. yeah, I do. Yeah, he, he had a brilliant race. And this is one of the, I'd say next season is going to be one of the most exciting seasons that we've had yeah. in a while. And we I keep saying so. that it's going to be so exciting next season, but it is. And it's like, you have all these factors with all the different riders. And I, I do, yeah, like you said, he will be on a podium next year. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. In seventh place, then we had Jorge Martin. In eighth, we had Zarco. And in ninth, the man who probably could have done with capitalizing most this weekend failed to do anything. Alish Espargaro had a chance to close down on Peco Bagnaia and Fabio Quattararo in the championship, but he just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. I don't know what happened to him during the race. He just got completely swallowed up by the Ducatis in front of him. And he was nowhere, to be honest. He'd qualified fourth and there was quite a few crashes in front of him during the race. So... I don't really know. Has unless, he thrown it away? I, I think unless Banyaya and, and um, Fabio get in some sort of fender bender over the next two rounds, yeah. then it's kind of slipped away from him at this point. I think so. I'm is, not going to say the pressure's got to, But he's never been in a title fight before. No. Hmm. He'd never won a race until this season. A yeah. Grand Prix at all in any class. Yeah. So it's so strange him being. I I I almost can't fully like take that he's even in this title yeah. just because yeah. we we kind of pitied him for all these years being on the Aprilia slower bike, and suddenly they're good this year, and he's in the title fight. Um. Yeah. I'd love him to absolutely dominate the next two rounds and take yeah. the championship. Yeah. Um, we all know that's not going to happen. So um, Never say never. Never say never, but... <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, uh, yeah, I would also like to see it. But I think it's massive that you, you've put it so well there. You almost need to take a step back and remember, actually, Alicia Swagger has never been in title contention in his entire career in MotoGP. No. He's been in MotoGP for 18 years, or in the paddock, I should say, for 18 years, you know, he this has never been a thing for us to talk about mm-hmm. it's never been a thing for anyone to think about to even put together and for him to go from having what like two podiums or something like that to them winning races being contention for the title it almost makes sense that you're like well okay he's had a bad race this weekend when he's needed to capitalize he hasn't been able to because he's never been in this position before. And I think any other rider in the same position would be doing the exact same thing because mm-hmm. no matter how many years of experience you have in MotoGP, if you haven't fought for a championship before, you're not going to know what it feels like. So I almost feel bad for him because I really, really want him to bring it. And mm-hmm. 
to try and close the gap in the next two races. If he could do anything to stop Pekka winning in Malaysia, I would want to see him do it because I just think that would be incredible. I mean, like, it might be a bit of a struggle with for Aprilia next season, thinking mm. they've, cut, they've lost their concessions. Mm. They are not going to have the same testing time. They're going to be able to develop at a linear rate. But should he keep a fast bike under his belt next year? Maybe still yeah. competitive. I'm not yeah. going to say he's going to win. He's not going to fight for the title. But I'd say there's still results like this year that come into play. Yeah, yeah. I think this has been one of the, like you said, obviously he's been in the paddock 18 years, but this season he's just been unbelievable and a massive underdog, and he still is the biggest underdog in this title fight. Yeah, and it would be. Uh, we've been talking about stories a lot this weekend and it would be a nice story however I don't think it's a story I see happening no definitely not I think I did say it before that if it's not Fabio winning the championship I'd want it to be a leash but I think again that's more of the like you said the story behind it you know Fabio is obviously battling on his own hasn't got anyone around him a leash has been in the paddock 18 years so many people have wrote him off and mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't like him for so many years and I, I've said this so many times I've eaten my words massively in the last two years watching mm-hmm. Alicia Spagaro grow you know it's it is solely based on stories and now Peko Banyaya has the story of I had a 91 point deficit and I'm now leading the championship like it would be incredible for all of them to win yeah yeah it doesn't matter who wins. It's just the, the story's going to <laughs> Exactly. It's just, yeah, what story will will play out is is the, the massive thing. And I just oh. feel bad that Alish wasn't able to capitalise as much as he could have this weekend. I really think that he could have taken a, a massive chunk of points out of Fabio, got closer to Peko, and that could have put some pressure on. And it, it could have been a lot, a lot more, but, you know, we mm-hmm. still got two races to, to try and do something i mean i i think i think i saw someone say if um if alesh wins in malaysia pekka crashes out and fabio finishes fourth they all go in a point off each other yeah which would be crazy it would be like two 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 three three two three two and two yeah exactly something like that yeah if we went into valencia and it was all three of them fighting for the win in the last corner can you imagine the chaos that would be incredible. And it was fair. I'm looking at F1 for this. <laughs> Michael Mazzi was in the paddock. Yeah, we <laughs> haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> We've, we mentioned race direction already. This, this episode. I mean, That's no wonder Michael Mazzi was there with the decisions that were being made. No, don't anyway, worry, he wasn't in race direction. I, I, I'm not, he was just I'm standing there. About, anyway, um, listen, if, if they all have an incredible race, all three of them go into the last corner... That is what I want to see. I couldn't care who wins at that rate. Yeah. I would see the absolute chaos and scenes. It would go down, I think, as the greatest MotoGP World Championship. Yeah. In this you see the thing about this battle yeah. this year that it's been great, but it hasn't been on track battles. It's been battles off the track, battle of the bike, battle of mind games, and mind then games. talking but about things and who's got the best strength. It's had everything in it. I mean, we've except had... for on track. I want to see the three of them like yeah. literally. I mean, front, if we had if we had like twenty Philip Islands, then maybe yeah, we'd have it. <laughs> then maybe we'd have like the most bonkers season. Um, but no, obviously we've we've complained a lot about on track battles this season and aero and how we think it's just 
you know not ruining it but at least it's not helping yeah it's not it's not helping the the entertainment side of it anyway um but i mean philip island showed that anything can happen mm. yeah and i mean this season has been incredible like if we look back at it we we will complain about the racing all that we like but we've had seven different winners 10 different pole sitters yeah. i can't even begin to count the amount of people on the podium yeah um and we've still got mathematically a four-way title fight yeah exactly it's just don't, been insane don't count out it would take a God, strength and everything else um <laughs> yeah. To get a yeah i mean let's see what the motorsport gods have in play for us for the next two races yeah definitely maybe if they're maybe if they're fighting that um battle of three and they all crash out and an nail wins like if <laughs> be pretty good <laughs> would be pretty good no Call that it would now. be a story <laughs> <laughs> don't tease us like that anyway we'll move on then in 10th place was brad bender in 11th was paul espagro 12th was Oliveira. 13th was crutchlow 14th was darren bender 15th was remy gardner getting a point in his home grand prix we love to see that mm-hmm. 16th was fernandez 17th was vinales don't know what happened to him in the last few laps of the race, but mm, chaos basically. 18th was Johan Mir after making his return after breaking his ankle. Um, he'd been on the pace at certain points in the weekend, but obviously, race distance, he's just not mm. fit enough, basically. Mm. Um, not good, but he will get there, he definitely will get there. And obviously, he's going to Repsol Honda next year, so I'm sure he's more worried about that than his. <laughs> ankle at the minute then in 19th we had Nagashima who is standing in for Takanakagami obviously and in 20th was DJ Antonio now we had crashes from Frankie Morbidelli and Fabio Quattararo like we mentioned it, it was mentioned earlier Fabio obviously had a massive moment going into the newly named Miller Corner which we completely just brushed over but uh, then he had a crash later on in the race, which was very disappointing. And mm. yeah, Fabio or Peko now has the 14 point lead, obviously. Um, but yeah, Miller Corner. I think we need Speaking to discuss of. Miller Corner before we go on to what <laughs> happened at Miller Corner. So turn four at Phillip Island, formerly known as the Honda Corner, um, was renamed Miller Corner this weekend. Um, bit of a curse to be honest, don't really know why they decided to do it while Jack Miller is in the middle of his racing career, considering there's plenty of other people who they could have named corners after and haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking about, you know, Australian greats and stuff like that. Obviously, Casey Stoner and um, McDoon have corners on the circuit, but um, Troy Bayliss, there's lots yeah. of others that... Yeah just don't have anything at the circuit and they've decided to go ahead and name turn four after Jack mm. Miller in the middle of his I mean we'll career. get we'll get like Remy we'll get like Remy corner turn five anyway next year so I bloody <laughs> hope so I mean he's a world champion it would have made more sense to name it after exactly. Remy Gardner <laughs> Jack yeah. doesn't have a championship yeah but yeah I mean it was very wholesome as the, the story behind it is that why they chose turn four is because is his family would watch him there every year and that's where they would all be and you know it's a very heartwarming thing of that's why he picked that corner sort of thing they were like well where do you want it to be and he was like well I want it to be turn four even though it's one of the worst turns 
on the circuit but um yeah it was a nice meaning behind it but so they did that ceremony on the saturday and race day on sunday jack looked incredible he didn't qualify well but honestly i had him on for the win until alex marquez became a bit of a bowling ball he managed to miss Luca Marini somehow don't really know how I think he knew that Marini had a bit of a streak going on of of finishing all the races this season so he dodged Marini but completely completely blindsided Jack Miller and took him off in turn four the newly named Miller corner I mean you couldn't ride it it looked like Jack basically cracked his back to the moon and back anyway. Yeah. Um, We've cracked like a glow stick. <laughs> I mean, it looked it looked nasty. I mean, like it's awful. Yeah. Alex went completely Moto 3 Darren dive bomb. It was very similar, wasn't it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you couldn't write it. I mean, it was I mean, you couldn't write it him crashing in his own corner as well. Curse why did they do you know what? maybe in front Saturday? of his family as well which probably hurts a little bit more <laughs> I, I messaged I messaged my sister that when they announced it and I was like what what's the the bets that he crashes tomorrow at this corner and I feel really bad now it's all your fault <laughs> you predicted it um I mean it does put very the sorry on. it does put the scud on but I I don't think anyone could have predicted that Alex Marquez would have no crash into him i mean alex didn't do it intentionally obviously you could when you watch the replays you could clearly see that he'd lost control of his bike and he'd gone for a bit of a dive bomb and he couldn't get it stopped and yeah it definitely wasn't alex's intention it was his fault obviously taking him off Mm -hmm. and i think he has received a long lap penalty for it i think he served in malaysia but Alex was straight over to apologise. Then after they'd both got back to their boxes, he was straight back to the box to apologise. Jack very gracefully accepted the apology. There's no bad blood there. Um, the Dios Miller page posted that uh, Alex should give the Moto3 2014 World Championship to Jack <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a sorry, which would be very, very funny. Um, obviously, that was just a bit of a meme. But yeah, no bad blood there, which there previously has been between the pair of them. But um, yeah, disappointing. And I think that just goes to show that you do not name a corner after a rider who is still currently racing. Yeah. Don't let me say anything about it either. Well, the thing is, is Mark Marquez has crashed in Aragon yeah. at the section named after him. Like, wait, just wait. To get that everyone's excited to name new corners, <laughs> but just wait until they've retired to do it, please. We can't be dealing with that anymore. Don't the stress. <laughs> yeah. But let me just double check and see if that is everything. Yeah, I think so. So that is it. We have decided our Moto3 world champion. Again, massive shout out to Izan Guevara. Now the battle is on in Moto2. Will it be Augusto Fernandez or will it be Ayagur? And obviously in the Premier class, the battle is on. It's been on for weeks. The stakes are higher than ever. Will it be Peko Bangaya? Will it be Fabio Quattararo? Will it be Alicia Spagro? Or can Anaya Bastianini come out of nowhere and upset a few people i'd say but yeah there we go that is it for this week's race review it was incredible we should go to phil island 
for 22 rounds next year I've decided um Catherine did mention it earlier as well so yeah petition to have MotoGP just become Australian superbikes to be honest um <laughs> that would be good but yeah we will be back next week with another episode it is the last round of the flyaways we will be at the Sepang International Circuit so only one more week of having to get up in the middle of the night to watch MotoGP thank the lord but will we see the title being decided we could see we could see it. Both Ayagura and Pekka could win it in Malaysia. I haven't done the Maz and I haven't worked out how, but it is possible. So there you go. Make sure <laughs> you don't miss that. But we will be back next week with the race review. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>